0: Welcome to the Growth Moves Podcast with Rob Tyson.
1: Welcome back, listener. Rob Tyson here. And in the last episode, I talked to Briony Thomas about why you are leaking profit and what to do about it. Uh, That was a good episode, so be sure to catch up on that one if you missed it. But I'm here today with Ian Sanders. Now, Ian, is an interesting guy he's a creative consultant storyteller coach and author and he's on a mission to get people energized about their work lives and he does this through his workshops presentations storytelling and one-to-one sessions and he brings a fresh approach to spark change and inspire organizations teams and individuals and today ian and i are going to be talking about the power of story for your business really interesting Topic, but before we welcome Ian and get into all that, um, maybe you have professional expertise, listener. Well, would you like to productize what you offer in the form of an online learning program that would help you reach more people and give value to them without you necessarily having to be there working with them the whole time? Um, If you're interested in that, right now I'm reserving time to talk with up to three people like you each week about your situation, what you'd like to accomplish. And to also figure out with you the bare bones of an online package you can offer to get your clients great results, as well as achieve your goals. If you are interested in all that, then here's where you need to go for more info. Just pop along to chatwithrob.com. That's all you need to do, chatwithrob.com. And you can find more info there. And let's talk. So with all that said, Ian, great to see you.
0: Hey, Rob. Thanks for inviting me on. You are
1: most welcome. So talk to us about story and storytelling. Um, Why is it so important in how we communicate what we do?
0: Yeah, good question. I think, you know, it's no surprise to all of us that that stories are really important in in human beings and in our lives. You know, for thousands of years, humans have used stories to, you know, communicate, to share knowledge and information. It's uh, what our ancestor did around the fireside, isn't it, all those years ago, And the important thing about stories in our our work lives and our business lives is how we can use stories to create emotional connections with our target audience, how we can use stories to hire the right people, to engage with the right uh, audience, our clients and customers. And also, you know, for a business leader in an organization, also use stories to keep The employees kind of engaged and on side, so it's not just about marketing. Sometimes when I when I talk about storytelling, people say, "Oh, yeah, that's that's just kind of for for, you know for marketing people." And yes, of course, it's really really important in brand marketing and B two B marketing, but it's it's bigger than that, I I suppose, Rob.
1: Yeah, and um, I I agree. I think that's a really interesting application, isn't it? Um, Using uh, using this idea of of story to communicate with. employees in the organization and, and, and get them all moving in the direction that we want them to move. Um, what is it? What is it about story then? I mean, do you, um, <laughs> as you say, I, I think it is hardwired into us. I think it's probably fair to say it is hardwired into us, right? I mean, yeah, this is an
0: evolutionary uh, thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, so uh, I won't pretend to know things I don't. But, but what I do know is, um, the only bit of science I'll give you, is that is that when we hear a good story, when we consume a good story, we, our brains develop something called oxytocin, which is an empathy chemical. And in layman's terms, that's the chemical that kind of makes us care and makes us interested. And, you know, whether you're watching a news story, whether it's something you saw on social media, You know, when you understand the backstory of something, um, that is when, you know, you really care and it really matters. And as we saw recently with the, uh, you know, the army veteran who did all that walking and raised all incredible sums of money walking up and down his garden. You know, it was because people were engaged. They felt emotionally connected with him. They cared. And that's why people put their hands in their pockets and uh, raised some money uh, around what he was doing. and I think the thing about stories is that um, you know, in, in B2B and in B2B organisations, you might be, someone might be listening to this, who runs a business that um, uh, might, might do, I don't know, cloud computing or servers or something, a product, Rob, that feels very abstract and feels very intangible. And when you come to market that, you can really use the power of story to bring your product to life. So... Let me give you an example of that, Um, Shopify. Shopify is an e-commerce platform, a piece of e-commerce software that small businesses who want to sell things on their website can kind of plug into their sites. Uh, And on the face of it, if you were marketing Shopify, you might go, well, here's all our functionality. This is what the version of the software or the technology does. But what Shopify have been quite smart at doing is not so much competing on that, but telling the stories telling the human stories of those small businesses around the world that use Shopify and how using Shopify has given them the kind of you know the oxygen for growth so it's taking a product or service that might feel God, that's so intangible. how can people have an emotional connection with with a piece of software or a technology platform but if you talk about how that platform is changing the fortunes of those small business owners and entrepreneurs that use Shopify, then you get the emotional connection. then you get how we' a business and we were struggling to sell online. then we started using shopify it 's transformed us It's a lovely human story to tell that will engage us
1: yeah, right, and uh, I, I like that example because uh, as as you are suggesting what Shopify I guess could do would be what a lot of us tend to do, which is they just default to the features and, uh, and for them that would be incredibly boring, wouldn't it? It would be, well, you know, our software is based on 19 billion lines of code and yeah. you know, the servers are this fast. Um, and this is what makes us great. And of course no one is interested in, in any of that stuff, but they are interested in the stories of people who are like them. Um, who are uh, having challenges and, and successes, you know, doing the kinds of things that, that they want to do, presumably, because it, do you think that's why story works well? Is it, is it because when we hear these stories, um, we're kind of feeling what it would be like to be the person we're, we're hearing about? Is that what's going on?
0: Yeah, on some level, but I think it's simpler than that, really, Rob. It just means we can relate to that. We can mm-hmm. relate, we can relate... As soon as it's human, we can relate to it. We don't have to em- always empathize with the hero or the characters in it. You know, um, you know, an example of a project I worked on a few years ago was you know, working with an accountancy firm, thinking about how can we leverage the power of stories. And that was an accountancy firm, you know, very successful, had a big long list of products and services they offered their clients. But in a way, it felt like a long list of products and services that any other accountancy firm might offer. Now, of course, the cliche, Claxon, of course, it was their people that made that firm different. So what I advocated was lifting the lid and telling stories about customers, but also telling stories about the partners in that accountancy firm and the people that worked in that that building and telling stories about their work lives. And that worked really well because for those potential clients, they just found that those human stories about the people that worked there They could just relate to them. They didn't have to be an accountant themselves. A lot of those audience were entrepreneurs and SMEs, but um, it just made what otherwise, Rob, might be a faceless organisation selling a bunch of products and services that, let's face it, aren't that sexy, no offence to professional service firms, but by shining a light on the people and shining a light on, you know, not just their professional life, but, uh, you know, one story we did was talking about... um, a senior guy that worked there, how he got a train into Waterloo Station every day, then walked along the river. He liked walking along the river, listening to podcasts. On the way home, he liked doing calls. You know, it just gives us a sense of the humans that work there, and thus we can relate to them. And thus it makes us feel something.
1: And how do how do we strike the right balance with that, Ian? Because there may be some people who are listening. Um, and they may think to themselves, okay, so I need to tell a story about myself. So I'm going to say, okay, well, you know, uh, I'm going to put this on my website. I was born in 1979 and, uh, and, and they're just going to, you know, that would be one interpretation, um, possibly of what you just said, which is, well, you know, I'm just going to bore the life out of everyone with all (laughs) this meaningless stuff about me. Um, but, but that's not really going to fly either, is it? So how do we, how do we make what what is it that would that makes our um, personal story um, interesting and valuable to, to potential clients would you say?
0: yeah really good point I think I think especially there what you're perhaps talking about is you know how we tell our personal stories our career stories perhaps some of the people listening to this are consultants and you know one person businesses uh, and I think it's really important you talk about your backstory. But I think also it's important not to be too self-indulgent and to tell that with meaning. So we've all got stories about experiences we've been through in our life and our career, and I think it's about taking meaning from that from those stories. I also do story coaching with executives and entrepreneurs, and I work with a guy who had travelled around a hell of a lot as a child. He uh, moved house a lot. He, his father was in the military and, you know, by the time he was 15, he'd lived in so many different homes, so many different countries. One, When I'd spent time with him unearthing his story, which is how people sometimes hire me, I understood that he was a really, really good change manager. And he works in, uh, in, in the talent world, in big global businesses. But what I was able to do was to help him see, if he hadn't seen it already, connecting the dots between he got, really, he, got, he got really comfortable with change and uncertainty because he was always moving and he's having to go to a new school or having to do this or that. And that was hard, but he got comfortable with it. So what's the relevance of that to how he deals as a 40-something change manager in a global organisation? It's part of his story. It maybe wasn't easy. It must have been tough for a child, always kind of moving around, building friends here and then moving around. But what it's given him, it's given him these amazing skills that he can use in the workplace. And it draws a real line. He can tell that story when he's at, talking to someone at a conference or at a dinner party or meeting someone at a business breakfast talking about his background. So as he starts talking about it, it's relevant. So I think that the thing is about taking meaning from your story. One reason that I'm so passionate in my work uh, generally about energising people about their work lives is because I had an experience in the world of work where I kind of hit a burnout and I had my own kind of crisis uh, Twenty years ago, and I and I had to quit my job, and you know issues with stress and depression and all those kind of things. And me shining a light on that, talking about my own personal struggles, but how I've taken meaning from that is a really nice way of authentically and relevantly kind of sharing my personal backstory, but making it relevant to my work. So I don't know. Say you're say you're a small business owner, used to work in an organisation, you're made redundant, or you know, some 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 struggle happened in your life, some adversity you had to go through. But now you've come out the other side. You're doing this. You know, you you were stressed in your job as a lawyer, but you're always passionate about starting up a digital marketing business. And now that's what you're doing. You know, so it's taking meaning from your backstory.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, and it's really interesting. Something you mentioned then, because um, I'm right in saying I think. Do you agree with this? The the struggle is almost the most important part because um, I guess a lot of people will, will think, you know, if we just take the marketing example, they may think, OK, right. Well, so what I've got to do is tell a story and I will tell a story of uh, of a client who began working with me and the story I will tell is that the client was in a terrible situation and then they came to work with me and then we just made it brilliant and they lived happily ever after. And they, they may think, well, that's a, that's a story, right? But there's a problem with that story. Would, would you say there's a flaw in it? You know, there's no yeah. struggle.
0: Yeah.
1: And so what are, the, what are the, you know, what's the value of um, talking about the struggle and what do, what do we miss out on if we
0: don't talk about the the bad stuff? Yeah, really good point. Um, Well, if we don't talk about the bad stuff, um, it's very hard for our audience to relate to it. So if we're talking about an entrepreneur's journey or a personal story of your one person business and you're putting your story up there. um, Richard Branson said um, a long list of successes doesn't make for a good story. So also it doesn't feel very human. I don't think we can learn much, you know. That we, we've got all these amazing tools for sharing our stories—LinkedIn and Twitter and all the rest of it—and I think if we're just saying, "Oh yeah, I'm doing really well and I'm doing an amazing job," people are like, "Well, yes, yeah, so what?" People can't empathize with that because we all have struggle in our life of some some sort. But if you put a, if you're a business leader and you put something on LinkedIn going, "I'm finding the lockdown really hard. I've got two young children and I'm trying to juggle." leading a team, and dealing with them sitting around the kitchen table. And it's really, really hard. But i tell you what's made things better is just having the support of people around me, blah, 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 blah. We can all relate to that, especially the time we're living in right now, the end of May 2020. We can all relate to that. And I think, yeah, if you leave the struggle out, um, it misses something. And I think also in a business context, in a business journey, the, the the route or the path normally from someone having an idea, an entrepreneur or a business owner to launching it, that's a ne- that's never a smooth path. Maybe they try to get funding and they couldn't get funding, or a financial crash happened, or COVID-19 happened. So, um, by talking about the struggles along the way, it it. it It increases that sense of emotional engagement and it also increases that sense we've got someone to root for and we might empathise with that person. You know, I mean, for a business leader as well, I mean, Sheryl Sandberg, you know, we probably all know the name. She's COO of Facebook and um, Facebook isn't always in the press for the right reasons. But something interesting that Sheryl did was be very open and public about talking about losing her husband. She was on vacation, I don't know, about five years ago, perhaps now, and her husband died of a... Heart attack, I think, on a treadmill. And she's been very public talking about that story. She wrote a book about it, she talked a podcasts, on interviews. And what that does is we've got this huge, massive global organization, Facebook, that perhaps people either love or hate. How do you make that more human and relatable? If you've got a business leader there that's being really open and honest and vulnerable, losing a husband suddenly like that, and the shock and dealing with that grief and dealing with that if it, it 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 creates empathy it creates an emotional connection
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no i really uh i really like that yeah i agree um and it's hard to be vulnerable sometimes right i mean yeah. um that's kind of what the word means i suppose <laughs> you know it's, um difficult yeah, th-
0: how do how do we do it if we if we struggle with this just being brave. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a big question. Um, I mean, I think from my own experience, I think I'll be honest. It didn't happen quickly. It took me time to have the courage to stand up and tell my own story. But I tell you what, uh, you know, it was a real game changer for me in my career when I did that. It was five years ago when I got the opportunity to stand on stage at a lovely event conference called the Do Lectures and tell my real story. Um, so that was a big that was a big game changer for me. Um, I think it's just about having the confidence and courage but it doesn't come overnight to stand up and go and i be honest about this stuff. I mean, your listeners might've heard of Brené Brown, an American researcher. She's got some great Ted talks on vulnerability. And I mean, do, do check those out, those out because she's got some lovely advice about how to be vulnerable in the, in a business setting.
1: Mm, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And it just, it just occurs to me as we're talking, I mean, maybe, um, you know, maybe, Maybe a baby step in that direction is we, you know, we could we could talk about uh, not necessarily about ourselves, but we, we could begin this process by by talking about a bit of work we did that didn't didn't. Yeah, you know, that had some issues. And then it's, uh, you know, that might just help us to get more into uh, get more comfortable with this idea, perhaps
0: great idea and i think that is the trouble with things like linkedin we all want to tune out when everyone's bragging and saying how amazing it is but if we can go you know for self-employed folk and consultants all that time my invoice never got paid or you know suddenly i lost that client i had to shut down the office you know i mean i don't want to be um gloss over the the pain of that but it does i think it does build engagement and it does build engagement with with an audience
1: yeah and i suppose especially if we can tie a kind of a learning point to it and just say you know I realize now that the reason I lost the client was X and or whatever, whatever it may be. Absolutely. I think it's always about taking meaning from the story. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And um, you say that that our business or, or brand story can be our fuel for growth and it can keep us authentic to our mission and purpose. What do you mean by that?
0: I think, you know, there's a reason why a business or brand launches. And I was talking to a guy last week who is co-founder of Ugly Drinks. I don't know if you've heard of Ugly. They're carbonated, um, uh, sorry, not carbonate, they're they're flavoured sparkling water in a can, and there's no additives, no calories, nothing artificial in it at all. Now the guy that started the two men that started that, two friends, Hugh and Joe, I was talking to Hugh and Hugh started that five years ago. They called it ugly because part of their mission was to expose the ugly truth, what they call the ugly truth about the big soda brands, the big global soda companies marketing their drinks kind of with healthy marketing, you know, people out riding bikes, drinking these drinks. And he's like, hang on a minute, diabetes. We've got all these health issues. There's so much sugar in these drinks. And he started, he started ugly drinks uh, him and his mate in a pub had a rant. What can we do about this? You know, let's launch our own drink. Really, really keep it really healthy. Keep it really simple. So I suppose they're, they're five years in. If they kind of get lost on their journey uh, of thinking, oh, should we launch a new brand over here or a new drink here? They can stay true to who they are. And their story can be a fuel for growth for relationships with consumers when they're hiring new people. They've been through for funding rounds, getting funding. By being true to that first conversation those two men had in a pub five years ago is still relevant today for the journey they're on. And that story about creating a drink, exposing the ugly truth of the drinks industry, being called ugly, and all those things. So I suppose, I suppose, Rob, it's about um, holding... Your story can hold yourself to account. You know, your story of why you started. Um, and I think when a... In fact, it was John Hegarty, I'm paraphrasing now, but John Hegarty, the, the ad man, you know, said when your brand is in trouble, go back to the heart and the essence of why you started and rebuild from there. Don't be something, don't try and be something else. And I think a lot of businesses and brands are struggling right now in, uh, during COVID-19 and during lockdown. And I think that is really good advice to go back to the essence, go back to your story, go back to the story of why you started. And keep that kind of as a as a touchstone to navigate you through that through through difficult times that we're in uh, like right now
1: yeah I really like that Ian and and as you were talking it, it kind of came back to something that that um, you mentioned or maybe we were talking about before the show um, recorded which was uh, this idea that that we can use stories to communicate with perhaps employees in an organization and 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 it's a damn sight easier, right, for, for people to uh, remember the story than it is to say, okay, well, this is our list of five brand values. Yeah, Am I right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes deeper than that as well. I think sometimes, you know, and we probably, when I worked in an organization, I sat while, you know, the CEO showed a slide deck of pie charts and, 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 uh, and graphs and, you know, business plans and all the rest of it. But I, I remember nothing of that. I remember nothing of that. You know, we we are not hard wired to get excited by data and to and to remember bar charts and graphs, but we will remember stories. So, if a leader, a business leader, stands up now and she tells a story, uh, 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 maybe a story of some vision about how she sees the organisation emerging from this, perhaps paints a picture, not too you know, not too uh, romantically, but paints a picture of it's twenty twenty one. We've hired a new bunch of people. Uh, we're rebuilding again. You know, painting that picture can give the employees something to grab hold of rather than here are our projected numbers for next year. I mean, who, who's going to get excited by that? Even as, as I say those words, I feel my head. <laughs> <soon>. but, <laughs>
1: you just lost the will to yeah, live right there. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. But, but, but telling stories about, um, you know, um, uh, yeah. What I was interested in seeing um, how some big organizations are, are telling stories right here, right now. And I, um, I was looking recently for a blog post I wrote and Microsoft, you know, doing some really interesting things now about how people around the world are using Microsoft technology. You know, my kids are being homeschooled um, and they're using Microsoft Teams and Microsoft products to um, to keep that going. Microsoft also started telling stories about kind of heroes within the organization Uh, That interesting story about uh, in the US on their campus there, how their dining, their kitchen teams were catering for, you know, people in communities that perhaps couldn't afford good quality food and good food. So that was a nice story to be telling there. Uh, I was looking at Ericsson, the uh, technology company, how they're shining a light on their homepage at the moment on ericsson.com about all those heroes who are keeping all their all their infrastructure networks up and running through lockdown have been out out in the field putting these telecommunication towers up and all the rest of it. So I think it's kind of about um, um, you know, whether, whether it is for marketing or whether it is to communicate to the organisation. Those human stories about how an organisation is thriving and how an organisation is reacting and responding to COVID-19 and the difficult times we're living in really speaks volumes and might give employs the re, you know to be optimistic or to be proud wow i didn't know that our dining crew in the u.s office in microsoft uh, outside of seattle are um you know feeding disadvantaged communities wow you know great and i mean let's face it you gotta be slightly careful about how big organization does that because there's a lot of cynicism but if it's done in a natural way in the context of telling a bunch of other stories i think it's an eyebrow raiser. it's wow who would have known um you know, that's one of the things that Microsoft does. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that Microsoft does that they wouldn't talk about. Because part of the trick sometimes is, you know, you might discover these stories. They don't want to shout about how great they are. But in the context of a storytelling strategy, you know, they're telling stories about their technology. You know, why not tell those kind of internal stories as well?
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? And the, you're absolutely you're right. I mean, uh, data just goes over... Most people's heads, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, and there's there's no escaping the uh, the, the COVID thing at the moment. And one of the things I'm struck by is how young people, particularly, are just like completely terrified in the UK at the moment, even though you look at the statistics and they're more likely to drown or so. You know, if you're under 40 or whatever, you're healthy, you know, you're more likely to drown, and, and people aren't, aren't wandering around in normal times going, Oh, I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. But they are. And, and uh, how, how do I explain this? I mean, I, I think a lot of what's happening is the media will pick up on one or two stories of their horror stories, you know, where a young person has has got really ill and, and died. And that's a, that's a horrible thing. But these are the things that people remember. And so this is what colors their view of the world it's not you know they can give give them all the data in the world it doesn't make any difference because they've heard a story and it and i just feel that it's kind of one story just a good story will trump the data you know it doesn't matter how much data there is
0: yeah i think i think yeah what your point raises the is the is how we need to be responsible about the stories we tell and -hmm. being responsible about what we zoom in on and i think the danger is that. you know, I live out by the coast here in Essex and uh, we had an issue uh, the day before last in the heat wave where, you know, there were too many people on the on the beach, uh, you know, four miles from here, a uh, town of South End, just a beach resort along. And the council were trying to have people, you know, don't come here. And then it was the front of the Daily Mail newspaper and all the, look, trying to shame all these people. But actually, I think, you know, that was something that was, you know, inappropriate. But, uh, but the danger is... That if we shine the light too much on all those things, and don't shine the light on all the good things that are happening, you know, all the neighbourhood WhatsApp groups, how people are being supportive, and I think generally people are being responsible in COVID nineteen. And I think the danger if we shine the light on too many bad behaviour, um, I think then it creates the situation where it was a bit like with all the stories around uh, panic buying in the early in the early early days of lockdown. Uh, I've read a quite an interesting article by the economist Tim Harford, who writes in the Financial Times, saying actually when you look at the data, that you know there were some natural spikes in, in a lot of things running low because people weren't buying lunches at the office anymore, they they weren't using toilet facilities in an office, so they needed more loo roll, you know, all these things. But actually, this story that spread about how bad everyone is panic buying, and you actually looked at the data spike, you know, it wasn't huge. So I know I know that's not so relevant for business storytelling. But it is relevant, Rob, for thinking about if you, if, you, if you shine a light on something, I think one has to be careful about what it is you're shining a light on.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really, a really good point. And it's kind of coming back to the business um, space, in are there certain types of story we should look for and create? Are there certain types of story that, that will tend to get more attention than others, for example?
0: Yeah, so a lot in business storytelling, we talk about the origin story. The origin story is Hugh and Joe sitting in a pub saying, let's start a drinks company. Um, an origin story is, you know, me having a bit of a burnout in my career in 1999, going independent to start my own thing, you know. So we'll all have our origin stories. That, that's always a good story to shine a light on. I think there's also a good one is kind of allied to that, really, which is your purpose story. That's kind of your why. I think more than ever, consumers and B2B clients are really savvy and, and quite mature as an audience in wanting to understand not just what the product does, but why it was started. So, you know, back to our Shopify example, then that's quite a good one about, you know, what's driving, the, uh, what's driving the founder of Shopify, why did they start the business and, and what's driving that. And then I think, I mean, this is an exhaustive list, but just thirdly, the customer story: How does your product or service change someone's life? Whether you're a one-person business or whether you're Microsoft, shine a light on how customers and users are using your your product. And,
1: and when we're crafting these stories, Ian, um, to what extent do you think we should be using a formulaic structure, um, and also? A kind of a, a secondary question to that is um what's your view on using artistic license in these <laughs> kinds of stories so are we kind of um to what extent might might we mold things so that they fit uh, <laughs> a, a, a good story structure we'll just talk to us about that a little bit if you don't
0: mind yeah that's a good question i think that's where storytelling gets a bad press because people think it's like that disnification of a of a business you know making it all glossy and shiny and i would advocate never to make it glossy or shiny i don't think you should use any artistic license i think you should really be transparent and authentic it would be so easy now if you're a business leader telling one side of a story about how great your business is being to employees in this time uh, so you run a you know you're in the u.s and run a mcdonald's franchise you've got 30 McDonald's across Texas, then you're saying how great you're being as an employer. And if you're not really being great as an employer, I guarantee an employee is going to call you out on social media. Uh, uh, So, so, you know, I think in the authentic, transparent world, well, sorry, transparent world we live in, I think I'd really advocate against um, taking any artistic licence. But of course, sometimes we might want to amplify certain parts of the story in order to fit a formula of... You know, without getting too hung up on structure, there's a very simple three-act framework for um, telling a story. Three acts. Act one, situation. Act two, complication. Act three, resolution. So act one, Ian Sanders was working, doing really well in his career in the 1990s, uh, right, rise, climbing the career ladder fast. Act two, he had too much on his plate. He couldn't handle it. He was getting stressed. His doctor diagnosed depression. Shit, that's the complication. Resolution, he realised he needed to quit his job, start his own business and set himself on an authentic path to uh, share his real story and help people be more authentic in their work lives, right? So, you know, for the purpose of my story, I might have left out some detail so it fits nicely in that formula. But there's no bullshit there. There's no nothing made up. So I suppose, you know, formulas and frameworks for telling stories i mean if you're they're not mine if you're listening to search on three acts for a story you'll find loads of blog posts on that it's come from the entertainment world come from kind of movies and and fiction writing which we can apply to our business stories um but artistic license yeah i mean i really caution against that i think that's really dangerous we have i do see a lot of examples of small brands and startups and they're going you know talking about their story in in a in authentic way and I think it So I don't think it gets that engagement with an audience okay yeah good so so
1: so artistic license we we shouldn't do that but um how you know using a, a kind of a basic structure so that the story is interesting that makes yeah. that, that makes sense yeah, yeah absolutely so um probably a lot of listeners I would say even a lot of m- most marketers perhaps they probably haven't developed this skill of storytelling very much and it may feel uncomfortable to them so what are some of the practical things we can do to help get into the mindset of being a storyteller
0: yeah i mean that's a hard one because um i think you've got to work at it like anything so i mean my advice to businesses and organizations right now is to start a storytelling habit and if you're a big company You might go to an agency to help you with that. You might come to a consultant like someone like me to help you with that. But you might be a really small business that's not going to have a budget for that. So you need to find someone inside the business. It might be um, someone that does social media or might be, I don't know, whoever that might be in the organization and make them responsible for storytelling. And I think, you know, start with small steps, Rob. So kind of be like, right, what story are we telling about the organization this week? you know, I was talking to a publishing company recently, and one of the surprises from COVID nineteen was how a lot of their staff working from home didn't have a decent chair to work from, and they had to ship loads of chairs. I thought oh, that's an interesting, you know. So if you were starting a storytelling habit, that might be an interesting story to tell about how you, as an employer, helping people out by sending a chair. and a not humorous but an unusual story, maybe just says a lot about you know not everyone has a nice setup for working at home. Um, but think about, you know, lift I kind of say lift the bonnet. What are those stories that are happening inside the organization? All the things we talked about on this podcast, you know, let's make sure they're interesting. Is there some struggle? How are we going to have that emotional engagement? And then, you know, the internet has gifted us, you know, digital tools to share our story. We don't need to spend money on ad campaigns. You know, um, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have LinkedIn, we have Twitter, we have spaces and places where we can tell our story. But look at it through the audience lens, because the worst thing would be to be really self indulgent. And that's where hiring an outsider like me often helps. Because I come along, I don't know about the insides of that organization or even that industry. And I come along with a curious kind of outsider mindset. So I think you need to think about who your audience is, who you know, like you you know this too well as a as a as a podcast host, you're always thinking about your audience. We've talked about our audience quite a lot on this podcast, thinking about who's listening. The same with if you're creating content, you might be a small law firm or whoever you are, you know, who's the target audience for that? And make sure that the stories you're telling are going to be interesting and they're going to be not self-indulgent and start small. Maybe an Instagram post, a picture of, uh, uh, you know, picture of someone's homeworking setup with a little human story about how they're working alongside their children or whatever it is, you know, make it interesting, keep it human.
1: Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. Um, Ian, this has been really great. So just to bring everything together, if listeners only took one nugget or piece of advice away from our conversation today, what should that be?
0: Stories new human beings. Often I'm asked to critique or look at people said, Oh, we've got a website. We've got a page on our website called our story. And often I look at those pages and someone's described their business journey it doesn't even mention human beings it doesn't say you know Rob met Ian they started they launched this business in 2005 blah, 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 blah. it's got to have humans
1: yeah no I, like, I love that no that's right I mean yeah we don't uh have you ever been to the movies and seen a movie, um, you know, which uh, which, which which doesn't have people in it, but that's, yeah. that's the equivalent, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's 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 bonkers, it's insane. I love that, yeah, yeah, um, good, good stuff. So, um, Ian, where's the best place for people to get more from you?
0: Well, look, I think they just go to my website, iansanders.com, and um, you know, you'll see my blog. People might find some of those blog posts useful. I've got a blog post up there all about why now is the time that every organization needs to tell a good story so you'll find that iansanders.com forward slash blog and i'm at Ian Sanders on twitter i spend quite a lot of time there i'm always happy to people to reach out if they've got a question they want help with but that's probably the best place to go
1: Ian, this has been really good really enjoyed the conversation thank you so much
0: yeah me too thanks for asking me on rob
1: Hey, it's Rob again. Want to build a successful online business from your expertise? Well, the game has changed. There are bigger opportunities, but also bigger pitfalls than ever before. And I would hate for you to waste years figuring these things out for yourself. Now, as a listener to this show, you're obviously a sensible person, right? So here's my invitation to you apply to jump on a call with me in the next few days and let's talk about you you will get feedback on your ideas you will get a product concept that is fit for right now and you will get a personalized sales and income plan to take away that is free but availability is limited so please go along right now to chatwithrob.com. that is chat with rob Com. Do that now. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Once again, that is chatwithrob.com. Talk to you soon.